Ugly Chocolate, the Tardigrade. I'm Jasmine. Swear on Satan, I'll do that. Yeah. That's uh, my headcanon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and if you're watching TV, I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That's, that was awesome. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Damn Fine TV. I'm one of your hosts, Jay. And I'm Bells. And we are here to chat about The Midnight Club, Woo-hoo! new Netflix series by Mike Flanagan. And right up front, we should say welcome and thank you for being here to all of our lovely uh, Tardigrade Detective and Bookhouse Babe Patreon members. Wow, that was a mouthful and it didn't need to be. (laughs) (laughs) It was perfect. Well, this, yeah, so this is one of our live recording events that we do every month. So you can always check out our Patreon to learn more. But let's dive in. We're going to be covering two episodes tonight. So for episode one, the final chapter, when cancer cancels her plans for college, star student Ilanka finds a sliver of hope at Brightcliff, a mysterious hospice for terminally ill teens. Ooh. Okay, I am really looking forward to hearing your thoughts, so let's have them. Okay, I am really into it. Um, I know that we had talked about this being like YA, like young adult, right? Mm-hmm. And we were mm-hmm. kind of wondering, like, what was the feel going to be? Probably wasn't going to be on par with, like, Midnight Mass or Bly or Hill House. And and I was thinking, well, maybe that'll be okay. I'm here to tell you right now, I'm into it now. And uh, I'll give like some of my really like likes for the episodes, particularly when we would go over them. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with young adult scary stuff. Yes, you heard it here. I'm a wiener. And <laughs> I am okay with a little bit tamer jump scares and maybe a little bit tamer spooks and things like that. I just, I, um, you know, I don't, <laughs> I just don't fuck with ghosts. And I know, so I, know. I appreciate the YA-ness of this in that aspect. So... <laughs> And I had a feeling that you would, that it would be like the right level of ghostiness and kind of spookiness for you. Whereas for me, I am a little disappointed. I am feeling a little like, okay, I'm not blown away. And I wanted to be blown away because it's Mike Flanagan. I'm trying to like separate that hesitancy that I had going into it and just like enjoy it for what it is. And I know like I feel like I'm constantly chasing the high of Hill House, which I'm never going to get. Like I don't think there ever will be another Hill House, but that's like one of my favorite shows of all time. So it's hard for me to not keep searching for it when I watch Mike Flanagan. But I don't know. I'm obviously still on board and I'm hopeful for what's to come. I I'm loving the mid nineties like setting. Yeah. The same. docks with the dress and the denim jacket. I was super into it right away. The music, the the nostalgia, the gentle coup of the modem dialing up to the internet. What a lovely reminiscing that was, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. So I guess I could say I did put this in like 
an, a highlight for an episode, but really it will be overall because it will be throughout the whole series. So absolutely 100% agree. Like the music is fantastic. It's super nostalgic. Um, and just like when we talked about Yellow Jackets, I love like this time period. It's kind of like when I was like also coming into I, this, this cast, I guess, would mainly probably be a little older than I was during that time, but right. like just starting high school or, or, you know, whatever it may be. And um, yeah. So for the nostalgic piece of it, I'm really into the time period, the music, the style, all of that is, is really, really reeling me in. Ooh. So to speak. Oh, I feel like maybe we said this when we covered yellow jackets, but do we feel I mean, I don't even feel this way. I I think I can say with full certainty, like the 90s have officially taken over from the 80s in uh, terms of like all the big shows are going for it. Like, I mean, I'm just even thinking about this show. I recently watched Heartbreak High. It's mm-hmm. definitely a newer generational type spin on the 90s, but it felt so late 90s, early 2000s to me. So I think... I think the 80s, I'm sure we will still see shows about the 80s, but I feel like the 90s have, you know. Well, unfortunately, that means we're aging out. I will tell everyone. So I feel like we are aging in. I well, feel like I am. Okay. It's much better touchstones for me. As much as I love the 80s, like vibe, genre, the music, all that stuff. But yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm glad like I. It's a weird place to be in, and I'll tell you why I think that. So, like, back when I was in school and the 70s were only 20 years ago, or, (laughs) you know, however it may be, 60s and 70s was like 20, 30 years ago, right? And we would dress up for Decades Day for, like, a spirit week, and, like, that would be what everybody's in, right? Like, 60s and 70s looking stuff. And now to be in this phase of my life, right, and... Uh, it, that's now the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do <laughs> see what you mean. It's very weird. Yeah, it <laughs> is. You know what I mean? I'm yes. like, I'm my mom because it was like, she was so excited to like help me get ready for Decades Day. And now like when I do it with James, I'm like, crap, <laughs> this is like what I want, you know, like what what I know from growing up. So. Yeah, that's so true. That's such an interesting like phenomenon. Although like I seem to remember that when I was trying to emulate stuff that my parents had done, I, I feel like they weren't into it. And they were like, oh, my God, all of this is coming back. It's so cringy or whatever. Whereas I'm like, wow. yes, let's do it. Tiny backpacks and fun hair and big pants. I'm right. very <laughs> into it. Like, I'm going to be honest. I mean, no, I can't fit into my high school clothes. But like, I'm glad that I know the aesthetic well enough to where right. I'm like, oh, I will just go oh, in yeah. here and pick out what I we was can wearing. We can be so unquote, trendy. In the day, <laughs> you know, um, another interesting or no, not interesting. Let me back that up. The only cringe thing that I have to say, and maybe these didn't really go out of style, but I can't do the bodysuits anymore. I've got news for everyone. Like, I don't know whose crotches fit into these bodysuits. Listen, right. we are well, so far. Com- we are so far uh, ashore or like whatever from Midnight Club. But I do have to say, Lisa, a few months ago, gave me like four bodysuits. And I was like, I'm never going to wear these. I'll try them on to appease you. I'm going to hate them. Uh, like, this is going to be so annoying, unsnapping. Every time I have to use the washer, I'm like, what is the point? I would live in bodysuits if I had enough of them. 
I fucking love them. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you for coming to this recording of the Midnight Club, everyone. No, I'm just kidding. I think for me, it's just I don't I don't know what it is. Maybe I just have some unresolved PTSD around bodysuits from when I was younger, but I can't. Could be. Could Listen, be. I bought one, okay? Full yeah. tea. I bought one because I was like, oh my God, yeah, why not? I went to snap it on and I was like, hell to the no, to the no, no, no. I'm not going to I mean, to do maybe it. this is getting even further up, <laughs> up sorry, yeah. uh, ashore or up the butt or whatever, but like, <laughs> is it a thong style or is it a full butt style? Because the thong um, style, no thank you. But Right. No, this this one is a it's a full bottom situation. Yeah. Um and yeah, like the other uh, I don't even want to say the word because I'm like, but sorry, <laughs> sorry. I've never been into those. Thong, thong, um, thong, thong. That's gonna be back soon. You oh, know God. it. Like <laughs> I can't even. But Okay. No, I don't know. Anyway, it was just something about Oh, you know what I think it might be? And then we can move on to the Midnight Club. I don't know if it's because I spent so many years snapping the onesie of a baby-like outfit that I got weirded out snapping my own onesie. And I was like, this is too much for me. I think I'll leave that to others. That is fair. I get that. Mm -hmm. That But no cringe on anything else. Give me the tights with the jean overalls, with the docks, with the flannel shirt, with the bucket hats. Give me blossom. Give me uh, my so-called life. I'm into it, into it, into it. I want it all day long. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited (laughs) that we're in the 90s in this show. The other thing that I was uh, pleased about in terms of the first episode was how quickly I connected with Alonka. Uh, that's something that Mike Flanagan is really, really good at. Uh, I always find that I connect with at least one person right off the bat. And like, I was so sad during the diagnosis scene. Like, I was crying. And that's like, what, 10 minutes in? Yeah. Like, I was very surprised how much of a connection that I felt with her. Uh, I mean, I'm sure her love for Mary Shelley very much endeared her to me and just the way she was talking about all of that stuff. But as much as I'm like not here for the spooky level so far, uh, character development has been great and it did what a pilot should do. Like there's mysteries, there's questions that I have. It made me want to keep watching. I'm invested in the story. So hopefully the scares will come. But Yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, one thing I think that Mike Flanagan does really well with his stories and what I've seen, like, as far as his series go, like, you know, I love his movies, but that's a whole other conversation. Right. But is is the ability to take a a very realistic life situation um, and really intertwine that into something spooky, supernatural, like whatever it may be. and I love the telling uh, of the the storytelling that he does, and I love the the character development. I I was hooked really almost immediately into this series, and yeah, there might be some characters that I don't care for. We'll get to that, but overall, I'm <laughs> yeah, overall <laughs> I'm into the you know the story, the characters, yeah. and kind of like the, the real core subject matter that we're dealing with um, here in this story. So. Yeah. I assume, if nothing else, this show will make me weep at some point. Absolutely. Because, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I definitely cry a lot in Hill House as well. And you're right. Oh. It's the intertwining of the themes. Absolutely. So. 
It is interesting that this one is very specifically about death and it has such a lighter tone, in my opinion. Yeah. So it's almost like a reversal of his other works, but maybe not quite a reversal, but I think that makes sense. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. I Yeah. yeah, It's very interesting. All right. Well, let's get the bad news out of the way. What what (laughs) didn't we like? Do you want to go first? Yeah, and I think we had the same on this, so I'll just we'll just go ahead and put this out here, and I'm sure, sure we've got the same reasons. Yeah. Um, no shade to Anya, but but shade, you know. But I just um wasn't clicking with her, but also I was trying not to be too hard because this one thing I noticed I do it, it doesn't matter if it's something like The Office or if it's like this, you know, like. If there's a character that I'm not drawn to, I really try to figure out, like, what it is. And so I was trying not to be too hard because I thought, okay, well, maybe she's just on a different journey with her terminal illness Mm -hmm. than everyone else. But it was a lot of she was like mean girl-esque, you know, and I was like, I don't I don't know if we have time for that if we're terminally ill. But then again, I mean, listen, I'm never been terminally ill um so i don't know if it would be that easy to be in good spirits haha <laughs> uh another ghost <laughs> joke um <laughs> i don't know if i would be in the best spirits I, I don't know but for me it was anya i just kind of wasn't here for you know how she was treating alanka to begin with and how she was talking about her prior Rumi as well so Yeah. And I, I think you're right. Like, obviously she is allowed to have her own, I don't know, bitterness or whatever. I mean, she's going through something that you or I can't fully relate with, but to me, it just didn't, it, it doesn't feel true. It feels tropey. It feels like, oh, there's always got to be like a mean kid in the high school group. And they're not even in high school, but like the younger adult kind of thing. But we're so far away from high school and cliques. And like, we just, I just felt like we didn't need that energy in the mix, especially when all the kids seem to be so close and so like supportive of one another. And I think that exists somewhere beyond the surface in Anya but just like I don't know and I'm gonna talk about her again in episode two and like maybe it's acting choices maybe it's I mean I don't I just don't know it's I'm struggling with her because again it just feels too stereotypical and like you're right I just don't know that we have time for this right and what's the point really I don't know so she could have just been a little less extra just bring it down a notch yeah 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 is that your only dislike from episode one it really is yeah I mean I know we talked about the tone and stuff but I I put that as one of my likes because Mm -hmm. again I'm a wiener no and that's totally fair and like that is essentially just the other issue for me like I know it's YA but I hope sub- subsequent episodes get darker which I think is maybe a fucked up thing to say because we are talking about children or like I don't know 19 I actually don't know how old a lot of them are we know Alanka is 18 I'm going to assume a lot of them are of a similar age but and they are all terminally ill and that is pretty dark but I'm talking about like scoop scoopy I want some scoopy horror guys give me scoopy every <laughs> or day give me death week. okay yeah uh I like 
I am searching for that scare that makes me run back to my bedroom in the middle of the night and fly into my bed because I'm so afraid to be alone in the dark. I just want yeah. that. So yeah. yeah. But hopefully yeah. we'll get there. But that's really it. So it's very, very small, the dislikes. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let us hear something. Let us hear a highlight, Mel's. Okay. Listen, growing up, I fucking loved Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like everything about it, the Midnight Society, which I was kind of like Midnight Club, Midnight Society. So one thing I was really into um, is the Are You Afraid of the Dark Terminally Ill uh, <laughs> edition. Yeah. Yeah. Not to laugh at it, but I'm just saying, like, obviously, there's a lot of heavy tones in like what, you know, they're where they're meeting and how they all know each other. It's not just a bunch of friends from school or right. whatever and they're sharing spooky stories but um i i just love this idea that they're not supposed to be out after a certain time right and they're all meeting up and it's like kind of the one little release or one little thing that they yeah. can do together because they're i mean yeah they're riddled with a lot of very tough things going on in their life and so they want to get together and make new ghosts and then talk about spooky things and i'm I'm just really into this concept of that being like their escape from their reality, which is uh, uh, telling ghost stories. So I love the way they framed that, too, of like we make ghosts. Right. And kind of new playing ghosts. off that uh, that old statement, that old adage about like where we all become stories in the end. Right. But stories are kind of ghosts. I, yes. I loved that dialogue. That was a great line. Yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll jump into one of mine that kind of leads off from there, which is, I believe you pronounce her name Natsuki or, or not, Natsuki, Natsuki. You're doing better than me because I was like, Nasuki. Because it's spelled differently than it sounds, I believe. So I should have gone back and listened a bunch of times to get it right. I'll have it right for the next episode for sure. Uh, but her story and all the jump scares was really fun. This was the first part of the episode where I was like, okay, now we're doing it. Now we're getting creepy. Like all those kids smiling in their windows while this other kid is walking down a cold, dark street with a serious amount of fog rolling in, which was just the icing on the cake for me. Yes. Yes. And then all of a sudden, this one character like showing up and just like screaming at him, it really gave me Hill House vibes, a particular character that I won't spoil just in case people listening have not seen. But right. uh, what I loved even more about it was the commentary of, oh, come on, don't be lazy. Anybody can bang pots and pans and startle somebody, but it's not a real scare. And then the way that she was like, yeah, but and then like freaked them out and kept doing the jump scare. And it made me start laughing in the uncomfortable laughter sort of way of like, oh, my God, how long can oh, my God, again, oh, again, I get like, but I loved the discomfort. So that whole yeah. story was really great. I love the comment about like, did you just black cat us like you do that at the beginning? I just I thought the commentary about writing horror in general was, I mean, maybe a little like. Arrogance, not the right word that I'm looking for, but I thought it was like just the right amount of film school, like sure. talk. <laughs> yeah, and uh, okay, so 
I will tell you, I I went to see the film Smile. And when I saw all these people smiling, I was like, I, I wondered if you would think about that. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Should I fast forward through this? Because uh, that film, I, I, I still am very creeped out by. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, I was very appreciative that we got these ridiculous, quote unquote, jump scares like in the first episode because it relaxed me because like you, like, I mean, no, mm. I mean, I was scared shitless the first couple of times. I was like, ah, now I don't know if I can do this. Like, do I have to like look through <laughs> my fingertips? Um, but once it was over and over and over again, and I too was like, okay, another one's coming, another one's coming. Like, you can spoon feed me uh, jump scares like that. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what uh, else you got? Well, we agreed on this one. The other two things that I had that were not what we agreed on, we already kind of touched on here. So, I mean, the other one would be the Julia Jane story, which I am very, very interested in this. I love that Ilanka chose to use this as her um, introduction story, I guess you could say, because... I mean, I don't know if Natsuki's, uh, and I'm so sorry if I'm butchering that, but I don't, like, I will talk a little bit more about where I think these stories are coming from, like in the next episode, but mm. um, they seem a little more personal, whereas Ilanka's was actually based on something that she had seen in her research. And so I really liked that. And I'm really interested in where we're going with this Julia story, because there's obviously you know, a real person as we could see through the internet research. So. Yes, exactly. I just want to know more about who this actual person is. And it seems like, and maybe this is a discussion for episode two, but I feel like Alanka knows more than even she is letting on. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So the other thing that I really enjoyed, and this was kind of just a small moment, but the interview like the first meeting I guess between the doctor and Tim I believe his name is Alanka's foster dad and Alanka where she just talked about you know this idea of the permission to leave the battlefield is what Brightcliff offers people instead of or at least these kids like instead of having to keep fighting and be strong and be brave it's like you can just come here and live and you and I have talked actually really recently about how annoying it gets to be constantly called strong and to be told, oh, my God, you're so brave. How could like you're just so much stronger than I am? Like, I think people are well-meaning when they say those things, yeah. but it's very frustrating, actually. And it's like, but why do I have to be strong? Can I take a day to just like be a fucking human, please? Like, why do I, you know, like, I don't know. It's a weird labeling. I really enjoyed the kind of relief that washed over Alanka in that moment where she was like, okay, this is the right decision. People are going to get me here. Like, it felt like she was going home. And I have a weird theory about how like, that might mean even more than just like going home. But yeah, I just this I mean, this is another thing that Mike Flanagan really excels at is conversations like this. And I think we already said it just intertwining really real life things with horror. So yeah, and also his him building a world or centered around 
I mean, a house or or a um place, a dwelling, uh yeah. specifically. I love this about him. I mean, in Midnight Mass, this is not a big spoiler, but I mean, it was like really kind of a church, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a home, but it was like a gathering, like a dwelling. And so I love how that becomes a central character in and of itself. And yeah, I've seen things like this before with other TV shows or films or books. I mean, I've seen it before, but I just really love the way that he does it. There's something extra special. Uh, it's like a Flanagan touch on, yes. on your decorating for the home or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm just really into it. <laughs> yes. The Flanagan School of Interior Design. <laughs> Mike, call me. I have several ideas we could Please. collab on, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, someone today did say that we should have a movie, so... Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm into it. Like, uh, <laughs> I think we should just hire the the documentary crews to just like, you know, we'll do a yearly trip and just come on along with us and let's see what we get into. <laughs> that's it. I think so. Love it. Well, that's all I've got for episode one. How about you? Um, I oh, I just want to point this out because there were, I wouldn't call this a highlight or it's definitely not a low light, but it's just something I wrote down in my notes that, because uh, there are a couple of points I've seen in both episodes that really like hit me in the gut or like hit me in the feels. I mean, as if like the overall story or like what we're dealing with isn't like heavy enough, but there was something about with us opening with Ilanka, like dyeing her hair red and um yeah I mean just coming from for me personally I love hairstyles I love fun colors and hair like I love doing my hair and things like that that stark contrast between her looking at the beautiful red hair that she had just you know um colored and then like nine months later obviously after her treatment to have lost all of her hair that I know that feels superficial, but it felt so much deeper. Like there's it, it, it's like so many barriers when you're dealing with something like this. And I feel like the contrast of seeing her with the hair and all the compliments she got on, like doing her hair like that to then seeing her without hair was very jarring. But in a way where you feel the heaviness of like what what this is for those who have been diagnosed with illnesses or have to go through, you know, treatments where that is a a common thing that happens. And it was just really, I mean, it really got me in the feels. I, oh, I almost started crying at that point. So when you were saying like, I'm sure we're going to be weeping at this. I, I was thinking to myself, Oh God, don't be such a waiter that you're like already <laughs> crying. Over, no, I'm over so that. glad you brought up that moment because it totally slipped my mind. And I think it's, it's not superficial at all. It's just really subtle. And I think it's one of those things that we'll pick up on a rewatch as well. And it might even have more weight, who knows, like by the end of the series. But it, I think that was super poignant that he decided to start the show with that scene. Not to mention, you don't know if it's blood. I mean, oh, yeah. like yeah. that was just an excellent kind of not bait and switch, but maybe a fake out almost. And sure. I think a that red that, herring. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of them to say I'm a pisser. I'm a pisser. <laughs> okay, I have to. While this is in my head, I don't know why, but has anybody ever jokingly called you Melizabeth? 
No, I've okay. been called Martha, but never well, Elizabeth yet. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call you. When I'm jokingly like mad at you or something, I'm going to say, Elizabeth. <laughs> you can do it. Permission I granted. I don't know why that came into my head, but here we go. And here we are. It I must am have really been gl- my accent just then with the pissa. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yes, maybe. Because I probably, yeah, um, was hearing like Elizabeth. But yes, no, the hair thing was fantastic. Super glad you brought it up. That's another thing that he's so good at is those subtle little beats so yeah yeah well we hope you've been enjoying this episode and if you'd like more from damn fine tv you could always check us out on instagram at damn fine tv and you can always find me as well at damn fine witch And me at Superficial Mel's. And while you're over, you know, on your phone, on your computer, why don't you just head on over to your favorite podcast platform, Sprinkle, Dingle, Dangle, Jangle, Jingle, Kringle. (laughs) Give us the stars. Uh, Rate and review us. We love to hear your feedback. We hope you enjoy the show, like we said. Um, And also, you know what? Word of mouth. Tell a friend today about Damn Fine TV. Tell your ghost friends, like tell all your spooky friends. And in your reviews, if you've been listening to the Midnight Club episodes, maybe you could leave us a couple of like ghost emojis or something. That could be fun. Ooh, yes. Yes. And if you want even more of this damn fine duo, you can also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash damn fine TV. We have lots of fun stuff happening over there. You can check out the video version of Midnight Club, episodes one and two. We have more spooky stuff on the go for the month of October for certain tiers. You can go and check out our intro video and see what's available for you over there. We'd love to have you come and join us. But if you're just here for the Midnight Club, then let's keep spooking away. Spooky, (laughs) spooky, spooky. Okay. All right. Episode two, the two Danas. Anya brings bitterness to a tense group therapy session, and Ilanka meets a healer on the grounds. A deep cut sends a shaken Spencer to the infirmary. All right, your overall thoughts? I enjoyed this episode a lot more than the first one. Uh, I think it was just a little spookier, a little more mysterious, and I couldn't help but be drawn in by those wondrous woods that look very much like they're in Washington, close to the North Bend area. I know they filmed in BC, but as she was walking through, as Alanka was walking through, I really couldn't help but think about Twin Peaks. Like, it felt very similar just without all the gray texture I think like it was much brighter than what we're used to in Twin Peaks but that was great then I got yellow jackets vibes because of the thing in like the carving in the tree and it looked to me like a timer like one of those sand timers so now I'm like is time travel involved what's happening but you know I will like grip on to any possibility of time travel and just ride it until the wheels fall off or whatever but (laughs) I loved meeting Shasta in the woods. That's she also played like, um, oh, gosh, the main character, not the main character, but the oldest brother in Hill House, his wife. How can yes. I not think of his name? I'm oh, so uh, mad my, at myself Mike, right now. Not Mike. I don't think it is Mike. I was going to no. say Mike. Uh, Anyways. Okay. Oh, Steve. It's Steve. Sh- it's Steve. Steve's That's wife. It. 
She was also in Midnight Mass. She's so good. I think there's way more to her, and I can't wait to see her again and figure out what all of that is. But she was immediately mysterious, and that was so good. And uh, the, that little scene between who I think is actually named Mike, another Midnight Mass alum, but Nurse Mike and oh, yes. and Spencer, who cut himself, that was some of the most beautiful dialogue ever. Because again, it was just all like wrapped into horror and into like, it's just, it's beautiful weaving and beautiful storytelling and really subtle and not overplayed and not like a after school special moment. And yeah, so. It was, it, okay. For those of you who don't know, you need to get, the um, patron video of this. I, I did whip out my napkin. And there was a subway was a, napkin sighting. That was a uh, the moment that I was going to say for like this um, episode where, oh God, it just gets you in the feels because also you have to think about like the time period. I mean, I know the yes. 80s were sort of like the kind of beginning and the height of um, like the AIDS uh, crisis and then like the discrimination on AIDS patients and the just enormous amount of um what am I trying to like misinformation and yes, um yeah oh, gosh what is the hold on uh, like fear mongering like well and the discrimination against yeah. uh people that were living with AIDS um and so I loved this moment because you know all of that. I mean, this was the early mid-90s right here. So, I mean, we were still kind of in the throes of, you know, AIDS and and then also, you know, any kind of, you know, queer narrative or gay or anything like that. So I really loved this moment, especially with a terminally ill Spencer who also happens to have AIDS for Mike to share that moment with him where he's like, fuck the stigma. Like it, yeah. it's got nothing to do with, you know, whether or not you are like homosexual, like his buddies got it from like sharing needles, which a lot of people did. I mean, did, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I appreciated the humanizing in that moment of recognizing and, and, validating the feelings of people during that time that did have AIDS. It was fucking fantastic. And these are, these are the kind of things that I love about, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying it, I guess, about Mike Flanagan's work. I mean, yeah. he will hit you yeah. right in the gut with a one, two on something very specific like that. And so that was my second moment of like, I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> you know what and I mean? And all the while talking about interview with a vampire, like, and I loved where that. else are you going to get that? Yes. Like, but it, it was such a, it was such a, like, who doesn't want to just talk normal? Like, because look, look, look at the situation and I'll stop going on about it. But that's what I loved about it is that he's having this really normal quote unquote talk with him yes. about yes. a movie interview with a vampire, which I absolutely fucking love. But but all the while knowing the elephant, quote unquote, in the room is that he has the glove and mask up to suture up, you know, the wound. But I love how he flips it around for him and says, mm -hmm. this is for you. 
this is protecting you against me. It is not the other way around. Okay, wow. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I just and love to, it. to talk about it at the same time as talking about a horror movie just makes it so normal and so like whatever, you know? Right. Not that exactly. it's not an important discussion, but just that like. But that had to be like the biggest thing right then. Probably right. was like interview with a vampire. You know what I mean? So right. Yeah. Love so it. overall, I'm guessing you enjoyed it as well. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. So That's yeah, okay. really, um, I really liked this uh, episode a lot. Obviously, the mystery deepens and we get a little more into some of the characters and we get more spooky and not like a jump scare type stuff, which, you know, I can be either way on that. So I'm glad it's still YA. <laughs> uh, like when Ilanka sees the shadow, but it looks like a CGI, and I was like, I'm okay with that. Mm, um, <laughs> gotcha. And it wasn't like a full on like apparition standing there. Um. Oh wait, do you I, mean when when Anya sees something? On oh, the I'm sorry, wall? I meant Anya. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah I, yes. Uh, off to the side because Ilanka definitely me. sees a full something. <laughs> she sees the full deal, the, yeah. the real deal, Holyfield. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. But yeah, and I I enjoyed obviously the healer stuff, but I I really kind of was into Anya's story, even though Anya might bother right. me. I was right. really into her story, so that's yeah, I I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. Well, anything you didn't like from the episode? Okay. I'm fixing to get controversial yet brave. Uh oh, me, here we go. Me, we need uh, like a sound for controversial yet brave moments. You know, know what I mean? Like we need a, like a little stinger for it. Now that's electricity. I just, I think you need to say it in a certain way and I can like mix it with something and it'll be our little stinger. I don't know. Could it be like the Wawa Baby episode of The Office when Andy goes on that audition and he like cries because they won't, uh, they're like cut off the audition before him. And so it was like all the mixes on YouTube or like, you know, whatever they call YouTube of like the Wawa Baby. So could it be like controversial, controversial, yeah, great, controversial, yeah. Okay. I really like that. I am a Nightmare on Elm Street stan. I am a stan of Nancy being um, a tremendous final girl, in my opinion. I I do not hate the story arc that was given to Nancy. A lot of people do not like what they chose to do with that character. When I say that, I have always been a huge, like, fan of Heather Langenkamp. I don't know yet if I am really enjoying her in this space. She was okay in the first episode. I didn't mind it. And I I feel kind of silly saying this because I know she's going to be obviously a huge part of like what's going on here at uh, Brighton Cliff. But I almost said Briarcliff, like American Horror Story. I keep calling it all the wrong (laughs) things, I'm pretty sure. Like in my notes, it does not have one consistent name, so... (laughs) But um, I don't know. It's there. Were, there's some interesting choices with it, the the doctor, mm. and uh, maybe that will change for me with the more episodes that I watch. But for right now, I'm kind of like, eh, on um, on yeah. her. Yeah. Uh, same. And the reasoning for me is the reaction to Alanka asking about Julia Jane. Yeah. Bitch, why are you pretending? Like, what is the purpose for that? Okay. The only purpose, I think, is to alert the viewer that she's a little bit shady. But what about if 
Alanka asked. The doctor's back was turned to Alanka. We see the doctor's reaction, right? She's like surprised or like uncomfortable that she's been asked about it. But then she straight faces up and just answers Alanka like, oh, yeah, I seem to remember. It was a misdiagnosis. That sometimes happens. Why did we have to like for me, this again felt tropey and stereotypical. It Mm -hmm. felt like the kind of thing that would happen in a 1980s slasher that is supposed to be a little bit campy, that is supposed to be a little bit stereotypical. Like, I just don't know that we needed that reaction. And this is really small. Like, this is, you know, like, I don't know if we should rename this the nitpick section, but it is what it is. So, yeah, I'm not digging her vibe totally either. And I wonder if some of these choices are because it's centered more for young adults. So I don't know if like... Okay, yeah. I I don't know if they're trying to cater to a specific audience that might be... Okay, I'm going out on a huge, like, trying to find credit, some way to accredit this. But like, are they trying to make it overly obvious a little bit? So maybe younger folks that maybe aren't that familiar with horror or the elements or whatever... You know, they they understand what's going on. I don't know. But for me, you know, as a not young adult, as a former young adult, (laughs) I'm like, that's as a as a mid adult. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And I, I do see where you're coming from. I think that might be a possibility. If that's the case, I'm almost more bummed out by that and would prefer for them to just be like, you know what? These kids will get it, and if they're really into horror, they're going to keep watching, and these are the things that will teach them about how to watch horror, is to look out for certain things. We don't have to spoon-feed them, you know? Right, But I think you could be onto something, so. Right. Um, Well, I also, I was still struggling with Anya in this episode. Like, the shaming of the drinking herbal tea was one thing. But I'm actually most annoyed with the way that she reacted to Alanka when she found out that Spencer has AIDS. Um, yeah, because I was just like, like I get it. I th- and again, I think that outburst actually comes from a place of love for her friend and genuine protection. I think everything that everybody else was saying is probably very true. Like she's much softer when you get to know her. It's coming from a place of love. I think a lot of her roommates have obviously died and she's still there and that must be very difficult. So I do wonder if the issue is direction, maybe acting choices, what's on the page, because it's just not ringing true for me that she would have had such a big fucking reaction. Like this girl just found out what the issue is. She's going to have a sentiment, like a, not a sentimental, but like a oh my God, that sucks response. Like that's so human. It doesn't mean that she's going to like coddle Spencer or like start being discriminatory. Like Anya didn't even give Alanka the benefit of the doubt in the situation. Had Alanka started like talking some bullshit about, oh my God, that's gross or whatever, or my, or like how is, shouldn't he be quarantined or like something crazy? Then I could see the reaction, but it, Again, it was just extra for me. I don't think we needed it. Yeah, and I think it's just coming down to whatever the issue is 
for Anya when it comes to Ilanka. And mm. that's fine. I right. mean, honestly, if you do take away the terminally ill, and I know we just talked about this, like they've got a whole layer of uh, trauma and grief on top of them that not the average teenager, you 100%. know, goes through. Uh, so is it being catty? Is it being okay? Maybe. But at the same time, I don't feel like it's adding anything that I'm necessarily I mean, like, into or I necessarily want to see. Like, we could have just gotten a quick, like, vibe check off of her that she doesn't pass the vibe check, basically. Like, she's whatever. And then we don't have to keep, uh, you know, it's just the continuation of of that. Like, we already know, you know, so. Especially the way she was, like, in you know, with, with the therapy session and everything. And I just was like, I mean... We don't need to be continue to be extra. We we get it. Like we you know do. I mean? We get it. We really do yeah. get it. And I think what annoyed me even further was it kind of soured what was otherwise a really good scene because that entire paper crane scene, it was so obvious something was going to happen to Spencer and obvious in a good way because it was building some really great tension where I was like, I'm are they going to close up on this? Because I can't watch this. I don't want to see him lose a finger. I do not want to see this paper cutter related injury, but it was building such great suspense and tension. And then the way it played out was perfect. And then I feel like Anya ruined it. Yeah. She didn't ruin it. She soured it. Whatever. Listen, if you, if you've watched Gerald's game, you know, Mike Flanagan (laughs) isn't going to shy away from body horrors. (laughs) When it was coming around, I was like, we are fully going to see. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. a degloving moment, but we are fully probably going to see a um, something I don't necessarily want to see. Yes. So. Yes. I will say I do love the response that Alanka had later when she was like, we get it. No one's dying harder than you are. I was like, mm-hmm. Snaps. I was like, get it, girl. You know what? Get your voice out there. Yes. You know, I mean, and honestly, I, there were several moments, I don't want to say of redemption for Anya, I'm not going to go that far, but like when she does finally come around to like trying the uh, chamomile, you know, water or, or whatever, you know, that scene, I was like, okay, like maybe she's coming around now, but I feel like it needed it, it only progressed to this because she's finding her voice against Anya. And I'm really happy about that. You know? Yeah. Like she's not cowering and shying away yes. from the resident mean girl on the war. Yes. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So. All right. Well, what else were you happy about? Okay. So what I liked here after seeing Anya's story, because I, I actually really liked Anya's story. Yeah, I, it was great. I felt it the way that I interpreted it was a life before your diagnosis and a life after. It's just sure. it's just told from a different point of view. Like there's two of you. Yep. Um, I and what I am noticing, and, and I, I I'm taking um Ilanka's story out of this right now. Like we've only seen really two story so far but I like this undertone or this this uh maybe theme of like well we're gonna get in here to tell ghost stories but they're kind of gonna be pretty directly related 
to the person specifically and individually. They're not going to be just, oh, let me tell you a campsite, you know, um, ghost story, right? Like these feel very personal. And I felt like it was a great way for her to reveal maybe what she's really feeling on the inside and Mm -hmm. why she acts the way that she is with this big divide in her life. And even though we don't know if she was a star you know, ballerina or anything like that before, but there was obviously a really good, um, what she was calling perfect life before diagnosis. Yeah. And then the spiraling and everything afterwards, I thought it was brilliantly done. Um, I really enjoyed that story. So Anya, there you go. Point. See, we can, you get some points back for that. It was a great story. And I found the acting, like the actress, playing Dana was phenomenal like and so that's why I keep wondering if these Anya mishaps are acting choices for that specific character or something because it's not it's not that this person is not talented like exactly what we saw in the Dana story was really great stuff Mm -hmm. so uh I feel like I had maybe one other thing to say about Oh, I love your take on it. I was also thinking like, you know, the thing that that we're kind of our own worst enemy at certain times. And maybe she's also going through that. Like she doesn't want to be this angry or bitter. But, you know, sometimes we are just our own worst. We can't get out of our own ways in, in those sure. situations. But also uh, the reframing of the devil, which is the most sensical thing I have ever seen. This makes... The most sense of any devil story. The devil does not have to fuck with you because you will fuck with yourself. And the orgasm scene. That was so funny. So well done. Very enjoyable overall. Yeah. Yeah. I want to specifically one of the highlights of her story, aside from like just her and, uh, you know, the two Danas, right, was who her point of view of the devil is because you're right. You get those tropes of like, okay, now you have to sign your life over to me. Right. right? Like I'm here for your soul. <coughs> Chilling adventures you- of Sabrina. Uh, <laughs> right. <coughs> but Ooh, excuse me. I, I loved this adaptation of the, it was really cool because the devil was like, I don't want anything back from you, but without taking anything from Dana, she ended up taking it all from Everything. Dana. Everything, yeah. And I've got I've got chili bumps right now because I was like, this is very well done and um, a great way, like you said, of reframing mm-hmm. what we know traditionally as the devil figure or the dark yes. figure, right? Yes, very totally, good. very good. Uh, let's see. Another thing I really enjoyed. We kind of brought this up before, but the ghostly outline. Uh, in the room on the wall in, uh, in Alanka and Anya's room. What I really enjoyed about it was how subtle it was. And I want to go back and watch, was it there the whole time that Anya was talking to the doctor? Kind of like the ghosts are always there in Hill House. Uh, I just didn't have time to go back and look at it for tonight. But yeah, I really enjoyed just kind of how it was just all of a sudden there. And then it led into something even spookier with those like glowing red eyes in the washroom. I really want to know if Anya thinks she actually saw this or like how she's, you know, framing that in her head and how then that or how that then made its way into her story. 
Yes, exactly. I'm very curious about all of that. So, and I'm gonna tell you right now, the Anya uh, scene. I had to rewind it. I think about five times because it was so subtle on the wall that every time that I would rewind, you were like, "Is this it, water damage?" <laughs> well, it, it's it was kind of like, "Wait a minute, is she?" Because I know the story that comes along, you know, about the mirror, like the other um, Dana coming out of the mirror. Mm. So I was like, wait a minute, did, right. did she see a flash of something in the mirror and it was so quick that I didn't notice? Or is there something about the painting above? Like, I knew there was a reason for that. And I love that it was literally like I rewound it so many times that my face was like up against the screen <laughs> and I was like oh there it is there it is gotcha okay. yeah okay yeah yeah loved that was super here for that every time we get something a little spookier I'm like yes let's go <laughs> and I mean that's one of the other like really highlights for me is that like I wrote jump scares, but I think what I mean by that, that those would qualify as jump scares to me, even though it's not like someone turning around and being screamed in their face. Um, but they really upped the spooky vibe, more I of the so. shadow, mm-hmm. um, all of that. And I was really actually here for it. I was like, I like this. It's it's um, subtle enough, but scary enough for me as well. So. How did you feel about the final sequence? Because that's another highlight for me. I love the way that loved it. Alonka just turned around and was suddenly somewhere else. Like, Listen. I don't know that I would call that subtle, but uh, like just the transition felt sort of effortless. Like we go from this really cute scene of her and Kevin into something really sinister. Absolutely. Listen, uh, I thought this was a brilliant like I, I don't know if you would call that like cinematography or whatever I loved that she turned around and it was like snap I love the the um vignette or like the vintage like old mm-hmm. camera sepia like tone. feel they have the sepia it. filter on yeah the sepia tone um obviously what all occurs in this scene I was into and yes. I, that sort of stuff really hooks me. It really does because yeah, that was, that was great. That was great. Well, and it has me like thinking about so many questions of, of like when this is in Bright Cliff, Briar Cliff, B Cliff, the Cliff House. Let's call it B Cliff or B the Cliff Cliff <laughs> in the house. Uh, I mean, like how how far back was this vision? Was it when it was a quote unquote halfway house during the depression? Was this when it was the the cult um, headquarters? When was this? How is Alonka seeing into these parts of the history? Like, what more is going on with Alanka as well? Because she keeps having these fainting spells and it's like she is connected to a thin veil in a way and like her plus B cliff equals like psychic experience or something. Damn fine math. Damn fine math. That's how we do it here. Yes. Uh, and then also a question. The painting that all the bugs started crawling out of did you feel like that was all of a sudden going to be Shasta? Uh, okay. No, you just. Okay. 
I, you just put I that saw in my mind. a resemblance, but I could be, but I feel like Shasta is like a ghost or old as fuck or something. I don't know, but I do think that Shasta is obviously some type of uh, supernatural entity in some way. What I will t- go ahead and tell all y'all. Um, this is very juvenile of me, but I was like, not Haunted Mansion. Like, if this painting starts, like, following her, like, the eyes start following or like, yes, something Yes, I was very happens. worried about that. <laughs> or I also got the feeling, too, of, do you remember the, I had, this is silly for me to ask. I know you remember the credits, uh, the opening credits to Bly and how the pictures yes. degraded more yes. and more over time. So I was like, the longer we stare at this, is it Ooh. going to all of a sudden appear to... Um, Ilanka as like a very like de- disintegrated or like right. you know like um, yes. like acid has been poured over it you know like right. which would have been cool. Well, she does keep seeing these people that seem to be in really rough shape. Like these people aren't just elderly people. Like there's something up with these people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like something I think might be wrong. I'm not sure, but I think. <laughs> This but is, yeah, I love this... that you picked up on that. Yeah, oh, something thank you might so be much. wrong. I mean, it was very subtle, but uh, yeah, but this whole final sequence was really good, and I I hope we get more of it. I can't wait to learn more about it. And I will say, in this sequence, though, like right before we get the change, right, I got really like obviously we already know that the doctor is somewhat shady. I still feel like if you are in any situation with teenagers, that they're going to break in and try to read shit. Listen, I was nosy as fuck. I still am. So, like, whenever I would be, like, in the... Okay, all right, slide aside. I was not good. I'm not athletic. Big surprise. I wasn't good at PE. So, basically, poor Coach Dabs, love you to death. He realized it very quickly in my high school career. And he was like, what I'm going to have you do is grade papers. And I was like, that's what I'm here for. Wrist workout. (laughs) Just, you know, perfecting my penmanship, whatever. Um, But do not think for two seconds that when I was in that office grading papers, I wasn't like opening the drawers just to see what was in there. I mean, you know, was it going to take anything? So anyway, this whole idea of Kevin saying, well, maybe she trusts us more than you think. And for so for this to be unlocked Mm -hmm. and very easily accessible for Ilanka to pull the file on Jane, I was like, hmm. It's it's all of that, what is it about Ilanka vibe? Because obviously this would have been, I don't know, especially if you're a doctor and one of your patients is asking about prior patients' records. I don't know. Maybe you'd be like, ah, I think I'm going to lock up tonight. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Or, or take the file just in case you're a little bit concerned about it. Something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you think in some way Ilanka has been like called? To be yes. Close. Okay, <laughs> yes. I don't. I don't want to say that her cancer isn't real. No, I believe that. Right, but there is something about she because she coughed up blood first, then she went to the washroom, had that spooky vision, fainted. But it was through all of that kind of that she got the diagnosis and the path that led to Beecliff. So, I. Has she been there before in another life? Does she have okay. ancestors that were there? I feel like there's a reason she was there or this that she's is, there now. 
Yeah, this is very much okay. Um, not our hill house. Uh, actually, maybe this was a no. This was. Do you remember the movie that came out about like haunting of Hill House? It had yes. like Catherine Zeta yes. Jones. Okay. Um, but in reality, everyone had the house that kind of called. Right. Uh, especially because that the guy didn't write any letters or whatever. Like right yes. there. Now, um, I think. I do think that she's sick and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right here in this first episode of us covering this, I'm not going to be very happy if it turns out that she's not sick because I don't, I don't want to go down that narrative road. I, I don't want that to be the choice. And I don't think we need to. Right. But what is interesting is obviously she's searching something in the first episode but B Cliff is the one that comes up, and then all of a sudden, like she's into like Jane's story, and obviously from everyone else when she told her story in the first episode, right about Jane, none of them are very don't know what she's talking about. They don't realize it's a real patient, and so there's something about that and the house. Yes, that feels like it is calling her there. Um. And I don't know if it, she'll be a second coming of some type of ritual that cures her and it just happened to call on her for whatever reasons we might find out about Ilanka in the future. But I, I am getting big vibes of like, she wants, like, she needs to be here. Especially when we have the scene when she's talking about wanting to check into B Cliff. And even the doctor is like, that's not necessary you don't have to go to a hospice you know and then with tim or foster dad being like are you sure like that's what you want to do so those those kind of dropped little hints here and there are what are making me think she's being drawn there for another reason besides her illness yes yes agree yeah well, I I had a little section for myself in my notes that had questions and theories. I have zero theories except for that one. And it was more yeah. of a question. So I don't know if you have any other theories or questions at this point, but um I I am wondering. I know we I know we're only on the second episode, but listening to what Anya has talked about, how long Anya has been there the room that she occupies. And I don't want to say that there may be necessarily similarities between Rachel and Ilanka, but Anya has dropped a few hints like, oh, she got into all that witchy stuff or like Mm -hmm. that occult stuff. Uh, And and she seems to be like matching that up with like the herbal tea uh, stuff from Ilanka. So I'm wondering about this room specifically. And I'm also wondering about who are, cause we're going to have to, unfortunately we're probably going to have to have a death. And I'm wondering if yeah. Anya is going to be the first, cause she is throwing up before the next, like the second, you know, like gathering or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Something changes in her after she sees that shadow as well on the wall because then oh, she's she wants all- to drink the chamomile water and she wants to I don't know. So I'm wondering if 
we're going to get a lot of Anya maybe in the next in the next episode or so. But I wonder if it's because she's going to be the next to pass on. And, you know, I don't know. Is that thing that she saw the living shadow that they were talking about in the dinner scene in episode one? The thing that Rachel started seeing everywhere and felt like she right. knew it was her time. Maybe that's But Alonka it. is seeing it too. So, that's true. But I feel like Alonka is different than everybody she's else tapped there. in a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and before we move on too far, I do want to say the other thing about Alonka being called there would the doctor then leave the door unlocked because she's part of privy to it or privy to it, privy to it or part of it want like she purposely left it open because she knows this is what's supposed to happen or something. I mean, very well. So Um, I think one more thing I want to point out, I kind of love the, the choice of, like who we're seeing in the stories, right? So like when we have Natsuki's yes. or I'm sorry, I, I, I got I, I will get Nats, the pronunciation Natsuki. better next Natsuki. time. But when we see her story, Spencer is obviously like the person in her story, right? Like that's who's getting the jump scares and everything. Yep. But I loved the fact that after the doctor has the conversation with Anya about maybe I see a little bit of myself in you, that the doctor takes on the devil form. Yes. In her story. I found that interesting. I don't know what's going to come of that or what that means for who the doctor really is. But yeah, I, know. I know. I'm interested. I'm very interested in this story for it to be YA. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Yeah. I do want to mention one thing, and sure. I talked. I was talking a little bit about it before we officially started recording. Um, but you know, I am now on the full bandwagon of I watch with headphones, and I'm mm-hmm. here to tell you, um, yeah, the mute, the, like I, I'm loving hearing the music through the headphones and things. But there's also things that happen that the use of earbuds or a headphone is a really good choice because in the first episode when our friend in is uh, telling her story <laughs> i mean like there's that moment where the ghost says or someone says are you lost and yes. i was going to tell everyone the experience of listening to that in your headphones it is only in one ear Ooh. and it is at a volume and a specific like pitch and everything that is so fucking spooky um and i oh, just don't think awesome. you would pick that up on a regular like yeah uh, you know yeah um but anyway i just want to throw that out there yes very so. cool i'll have to rewatch it that way just for that experience oh, for sure just watch that one scene yeah. i mean that was really great because i was like oh my god it was just in, like the left side the left i love that attention like, to detail with the sound design that's awesome yeah yeah so yeah All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. So to those before and to those after. To those before and to those after. To us now and to those beyond. To us now and to those beyond. Seen or unseen, here but not here. Seen or unseen, here but not here. Be right back.